0: It's uh, very good to be here this evening. Certainly appreciate the uh, invitation and a very good crowd here. You know, it's nice for this to feel normal. <laughs> uh, last last year and a half, two years, it hasn't felt, felt very normal. And um, I know that I, it's nice to kind of get in the car and go to a church meeting. I really haven't been uh, past probably about an hour, hour and a half radius. We haven't uh, been been out that much and it's nice again to come out to this part of the kingdom and certainly hope the lord will bless our time together um this weekend um i feel like you have been praying for the meeting and i'm very thankful for that i hope you'll continue to pray i've uh felt like i've had good studying liberty um some of you ministers probably know you need just as good of a uh, Studying liberty As you need preaching liberty mm-hmm. And um, I've never done well With um, having curveballs as it were um, Thankfully the Lord kind of Usually impresses my mind Last Sunday night I had a little bit of a change When I was on the pew And uh, there's a reason why I didn't play Baseball past t-ball I didn't do good <laughs> with curveballs I usually, usually missed them But, but um, I feel like I've had clarity this week though and if that is according to the Holy Spirit, then I hope that, that the Lord will bless our consideration of that um, this weekend. <clears throat> I ask you to turn to Psalm chapter 65. Psalm chapter 65. And we'd like to focus on verse 4. I uh, appreciate the prayer that was prayed. And uh, I certainly don't know, um, coming and being a busy minister, I don't know. Uh, For those of you that did introduce yourself, uh, maybe two or three times later, maybe we'll figure out what your name is. But I I don't know the circumstances of each of your individual life and your trials, and that was brought out in the prayer, and I appreciate that. I don't know what you need. Um, I don't know the the encouragement that you stand in need of, uh, especially with some of the challenging circumstances that we have around us in our country and other things. But I can't think of anything that is a greater encouragement for the trials that we go through in this life than just simply being reminded of the blessing of being chosen. Mm -hmm. The blessing of election. The blessing of being chosen. Psalm chapter 65, and in verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee that he may dwell in thy courts we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house even of thy holy temple Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of people that struggle with um, low self esteem in this world Mm -hmm. don't feel like anyone really cares about them don't feel valued feel beaten down and trodden down with the things of this world. And again, they they can develop a very low opinion of themselves. Well, there's nothing that should... If you're ever struggling with those kind of thoughts, if you're ever struggling with depression, or if you're struggling with uh, not feeling loved, not feeling valued, depending on the circumstance of life that you're in, I can't think of anything that should resonate and lift our hearts more than to think about the fact that before the foundation of the world, God chose to love you. Mm -hmm. God chose to love you individually. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of uh, talk in the denominational world about choosing to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I want to tell you tonight, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. (laughs) And we need to get the right... Effect of that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't have anything to do with heaven. But salvation is personal, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Salvation is personal. And to think about the fact that God chose me. <laughs> God chose me before the foundation of the world. Is there anything that could that could lift my spirits more than that? That the God of glory looked out at what a, what a wretched sinner I am <laughs> and that God saw fit to choose me and love me By nothing more than his own free and sovereign grace to enjoy the privileges of heaven for all of eternity. Well, there's nothing that can lift your spirits more than that, right? And you are in a blessed condition, right? A blessed condition. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest, whom God chooses. So, first of all, we see that it's God that does the choosing, okay? Okay. Part of the reason that I want to focus on this is there's so many people that don't see election as a blessing. And mm. you probably interact with the same people out here in Georgia, uh, same types of people that I do in Mississippi. You know, that uh, when they hear that about God sovereignly choosing a people by nothing more than His own free and sovereign grace, there's nothing in them that's worthy of being chosen. It's not foreseen merit. It's not foreseen worth. Nothing in them. Mm-hmm. And people don't like it. People don't I don't think there's any better message, personally. I don't think there's any better message than that God saw fit to choose you when you didn't deserve it. Now, now I think part of the problem there is they have the wrong perspective, and they focus for some reason on who's not chosen. Okay? Now, first of all, uh, the problem we get into is people, again, have the wrong perspective. They have the wrong perspective. And uh, for some reason they feel like that the, Those that are dead in sin That God didn't choose That they're all sad and disappointed And just really wishing that God would have chosen And wishing they would be in heaven And You know they just feel missed out Well we, we've got the wrong disposition if we think that Okay um, I really don't think that, that uh, If you read the Bible um, I don't think there's a real challenge Um Believing that election is a biblical doctrine. You know, some people say that. Well, my Bible doesn't say that. Well, then you point them to a couple of different places where, they, oh, wait a minute, I didn't know that was that was in there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you, you, you read throughout the New Testament. Um, Paul wrote extensively about election. Peter, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. John, writing under the elect lady. Uh, even Jesus. Jesus said, you know, shall I, not, uh, shall I not avenge my own elect? He even used the terminology elect. Um, is it that uh, Speaking of the last days, um, that if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. Um, Jesus' first message in uh, um, Nazareth, when he went to, uh, he didn't use the word election there in, in Luke chapter four, but he showed up in that synagogue in Nazareth and he essentially described God's sovereignty in election to bestow blessings upon two Gentiles instead of two Jews. And people got so mad. (laughs) People got so mad at the Son of God (laughs) saying that I am sovereign to choose who I I please to choose uh, to pick. Uh, They got so mad about that that they wanted to kill Jesus and try to push him off to to the side of the... uh, uh, the cliff there and push him off. Of course, Jesus being God, he just walked right through the midst of him. But isn't that interesting that that is for some reason, and I, I personally don't get it. It makes me happy. <laughs> I don't know about it. and I don't say that in a prideful way. Uh, you know, I, I don't deserve to be chosen. I mean, I, I deserve just as much to be chosen as Esau who was hated. Yeah. All right? But it makes me happy to know that God loved me. It makes me happy to know that I, I hope to be among spiritual Jacob, if you will, that God loved. <laughs> but it's just amazing to think about the fact that Jesus Christ, during his first message there at the synagogue in Nazareth, that he essentially said, I'm God. I have the right to choose to bless who I choose to bless. And those people got so mad about it, they wanted to kill the Son of God. You know, then we back up to the Old Testament. You know, there's plenty of elect language in the New Testament, even, even in the Old Testament. What was it that uh, was special about, about Noah? Now, he was a good man, but why was he a good man? Because he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What's grace? It's unmarried favor. Right? Uh-huh. The only reason why Noah was living a good godly life was because of God, uh-huh. right? Because God chose him. He chose to bestow grace grace means you didn't deserve it right mm-hmm. so that means no it wasn't that good think about abraham you know abraham wasn't that much different than all the rest of those pagan idolaters in earth the chaldees mm-hmm. you, you know that he was worshiping false gods when god chose him what, what made the difference mm-hmm. what made the god what made the difference you know not anything special about abraham really it was god's choice right and god Changing the life of Abraham and now to where he's living and walking by faith. You see? So you see God's God's picture of election um, in the Old Testament as well. So you just can't read the Bible and come to the conclusion that election is not a biblical doctrine. All right? So then the question is why, why don't people like election? And I've really been meditating on this this week. Uh, maybe you can meditate on it you know, when we leave. But but, um, why, why don't people like the doctrine, generally, of unconditional election? I don't think that we like being told that we're not in control. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's a challenge of, of seeing that the Bible teaches it. I don't think that we just like, we don't like letting go of the steering wheel. I mean, we don't like being told that I'm not in control. And, 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 um... If there's anything we want to be in control of, it should be our eternal salvation, right? In a natural, in a natural way. Now, now, once you understand the gospel, <laughs> once you understand total depravity, you don't want to be in charge mm-hmm. of that steering wheel. Why? Because you know you're going to wreck because you're behind the steering wheel, Dad, right? <laughs> uh, of course, uh, you don't want to be in charge of it, right? Mm-hmm. But for some reason, in our nature, we want to be in control. And then somebody says you tells you you have no control whoa, whoa, that's terrifying, right? I have no control over my eternal salvation. But it's much better with God being in control. It's much better with God's choice. With God's choice. Um, You know, like I said before, we really need to have the right perspective when we view election, okay? And God choosing out of people. I'm afraid that um, many people view... Um, God's choice of a people similar to the television show The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. And, you know, if you've seen that, bless you if you've seen that. Um, I've, I've seen it just enough to know what the premise of it is. And um, if you do watch it regularly, I would encourage you to not do that. <laughs> it uh, presents a very carnal unbiblical view of romance engagement and marriage okay and I'm I'm sad to say I have heard I bit my tongue when I was hearing some of these conversations but you know some young ladies that were talking about church what talking about watching The Bachelor and you see what happened on the, on the Bachelor last night well if you happen to be I'm going to be going back to Mississippi pretty soon so um, <laughs> if you happen to be watching that okay I think that's trash and you can just turn it off, okay? Why? Because that is warping your mind about what romantic love looks like in a world. That's that's the way the world operates, okay? That's not the way that we see in Scripture. But unfortunately, people uh, believe that God is choosing out a people and all the people are, are dressed in their... You know their best dresses, and they're putting the best foot forward and and those that you know you choose one person and then everyone that's not chosen is just heartbroken and they're all worthy of being chosen right they're all at least made it through auditions and we're good enough to get on the show you know so everybody's theoretically worthy of being chosen and then every, and then one person gets chosen everybody else just goes home so sad <laughs> you want to know what that true picture looked like before the foundation of the world it was a bunch of dead corpses <laughs> you know that did you know that it was a bunch of dead rotten stinking corpses you know lazarus they said hey don't, don't open that tomb know, yeah, we, we we had hopes the first couple of days that he'd be resurrected but we've given up on him now because he stinks you know so don't open the, the tomb when God looked out, what did he see in his foreknowledge? What did he look, what did he see when he looked out? Seeing who he's going to pick. Who is it? The so people that are worthy of it? Psalm uh, 14. Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart. There is no God. They're corrupt. They've done abominable works. There's nothing do with good and not one. The Lord looked down. Again. You know, some people might begrudgingly admit that election is a is a biblical doctrine, but God only chose those who you would choose Him. So conditional election, well, that's not good news either. <laughs> election has to be unconditional. Why? Why? Because this is exactly how many people would choose Him. Okay, the Lord looked down from heaven upon children of men to see if they were any. Let's give it, a, give them a shot. Right? That's what we want. Everybody should get a shot. Okay, this is your shot. This is what God saw. See, if there was any that didn't understand and seek God, they are all gone sigh. They're all together Phil filthy. There's none to do with good. Just in case you thought there was an exception to that, I'm sure you love your grandmama. I love my grandmama too. And Praise God she was a child of God, I believe. <laughs> but the only reason she was good was because the Holy Spirit of God was in her. She exhibited the fruit of the Spirit, which is goodness. But just in case you think there's an exception to that, there's none to do with good. No, not one, mm-hmm. right? So what, what was God looking at before the foundation of the world? Billions, of, billions upon billions of dead, rotten, stinking corpses. Now how many of those are you going to pick? How many corpses are you going to pick? Zero. I agree Whoever said that? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> if I was in God's shoes looking out at all these dead corpses before the foundation of the world, men that in their own nature are not going to seek me, they're not going to understand they're not going to act right, and even those that I put my spirit in them, they're going to mess up a lot too. <coughs> if we were in God's shoes, because we're not so full of love like He is, we probably we may not have chosen anybody. We may not have chosen anybody. So doesn't it make you feel good? <laughs> doesn't it do your heart some good to know that God looked out on your personal? Right? Salvation's personal. Your personal dead stinking rotting corpse. And said for some reason I love him. I lo- he chose, right? He chose to love you. Now some people again focus on the focus on the negative. What about those people that weren't chosen? Well, okay, I can get the fact that God loved Jacob. But what about Esau? What about Esau? Well Esau wasn't sad. Esau wasn't sad that he wasn't chosen because in his nature, he didn't love God. He didn't want anything to do with God. I mean, uh, outside of the quickening, it says in uh, Psalm 65 and in verse 4 that we read, um, best is the man who thou choosest, but then also who thou causest to approach unto thee. All right? You know, why, why did Jacob come unto him in the new birth? Well, because... He drew it. (laughs) Jeremiah 31, 3. With uh, loving kindness, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. Right? Why does anyone come to Christ? Come to Christ in the new birth because God draws you. right? Right? He chose you, but He also causes you to approach unto Him in the new birth. Now, outside of that drawing power that causes you to approach unto God, How many of the unregenerate dead people, A, have the ability, the answer is no because they're dead, okay, but even if they, you know, we don't need to dwell on hypotheticals too much, but even if they had life, what would they do if they had the opportunity to come? What would they do? They probably would act the same way that a group of people did in the first century in Jerusalem where they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. You know, you really need to understand how wretched your nature is. You really need to understand how wretched total depravity is before we understand the gravity of the blessing of being chosen, right? In my nature, I'd be right there with them. In my nature, I would be right there, you know, those, those people who even appeared to be religious, I mean, they were there in Nazareth in the synagogue giving the pretense of religion, but the Son of God d- described uh, the sovereignty of God in election, and they tried to kill him, okay? He said, I'm the king of the Jews. He says, I'm the Son of God. And what did the mob do? Crucify him. Crucify him. And you say, there's no way I would ever do that. Well, you, I know you probably feel that way right now because you probably have a quickened heart. <laughs> if you feel that way, the, the, the unregenerate don't have those kind of thoughts. They, 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 don't, they don't feel that kind of conviction, okay? But even if they had the ability to choose Christ, what would they do? They would say crucify him. <laughs> they are, in, in our natures, we are haters of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's hard to believe because I love God, <laughs> That's It's hard to believe that in my nature I'm a hater of God. That's why the gospel has to start with total depravity, right? That's why the gospel has to start with the radical corruption. Because we have no ability to come unto Christ. The only way is that He chooses us and that He causes us to approach unto Him. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. We have this description of God's choice of um, <clears throat> God's choice of Jacob or Israel, the nation of Israel. And again, I think uh, some of the challenges that, that some people might have with the election is not so much that God chose the people, but why didn't he give everybody a chance? And it's really too bad for those people he didn't choose. Well, um what you have to understand is that God caused no injury or harm right, in leaving Esau exactly where he was at, okay? He caused no injury or harm to anyone that was in that totally depraved state. Instead, he just scooped up a group of people, and I don't mean to be that cavalier because it wasn't that arbitrary, but, but he chose out a group of people to love and to save And he left everyone else exactly where they were. Okay? Now, how did they get there? They got there by their own works. They got there by their own sin. Okay? So, for some reason, I think everybody feels really bad for Esau. (laughs) Esau didn't love God. Esau Esau didn't want to have anything to do with God. We don't need to feel sorry for Esau. (laughs) Instead, you need to instead say, I am Esau. Right? I am Esau in my nature, and I'm just as worthy. I'm just as worthy of God's, A, judgment, but I'm just as worthy, which is not at all, of his choice, his love, as Esau. And then when you get that perspective, oh, what a blessing, right? Oh, what a blessing to think about the fact that God saw fit to choose me. Because I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And even if you think that you deserve it today, I want to tell you, you don't. You don't. That's why it's grace. Grace is unmerited. You deserved it to be salvation by works. Works is just not good news for anybody. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 7. And God's speaking of His choice of the nation of Israel, um, of Jacob in particular. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. For thou art an holy people and the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee. Okay, so we're talking about election. God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Now, why did God do that? Why did God saw fit to choose you? The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you. What was, what was the basis? He did not choose you because you were more in number than any other people. So, uh, this was not an advantageous political decision. <laughs> uh, I didn't choose you because you were more in number. Actually, you were on the exact opposite end of the spectrum. You were fewest. Why? Why did God God choose you? And again, I hope that you make salvation personal. (laughs) Yes, it's talking about the elect. Yes, it's talking about God's chosen people as, as a whole. But because the Lord loved you. Because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath. So now it's about God's covenant, too. You know, he chose you. He chose you, but He also made a promise Mm -hmm. along with that choice. God loved you, and He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. You know, God looked out over all these people that were dead in sins, that weren't worthy of His love, that weren't worthy of His choice, and He saw fit to choose to love a group of people. Not based on any merit, not based on any foreseen good works, but solely by His free and sovereign grace. He saw that before we were even created physically. He saw it before the foundation of the Lord He chose us. But that choice was also put in the form of a covenant he made a promise he made a promise Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began now once you think about um, the church as being the bride of Christ the bride you know again we think about people that don't get chosen and in our mind, how sad they would be if they don't get chosen. You know, I go back to the uh, to the playground and not getting chosen, you know, for the, for the kickball team, you know, and I was usually at the bottom of the rung <laughs> of getting chosen. You feel the dejection, right, of, you know, that, that six-year-old agony of not getting chosen on the playground. Um, but it did feel good, though, to get chosen. Those a couple times that it happened for me. Uh, <laughs> But um, it feels good to be chosen, though, doesn't it? Does that give you some value, uh, some self-worth? You know, I've only been on the uh, the giving side of this, but I bet it feels very um, valuing, I can't get my words right, of uh, having a man say, I choose you to marry. I choose you. I remember that night from my perspective, (laughs) and uh, I'm sure thankful that Sister Bethany said yes, but um, I can only envision the fullness and the value that you feel when a man says, I choose you, I choose you. Now, out of all the messages that I got, (laughs) and all the encouragement I got when we were engaged, I can't remember one single person saying, "David, why didn't you choose all the rest of the women?" <laughs> D- David, I feel so sad that all the rest of these women got got their hopes up, you know, and, and they were just really hoping that you would choose them. How selfish! I mean, I, I mean, I, I want to be as reverent as I can. People, people hur- hurl some pretty bad accusations at God. Yes. I mean. Um, that's not fair that's that's not fair you're unrighteous and and thankfully scripture Mm -hmm. takes care of all that he answers all those rebuttals especially in Romans chapter 9 but uh, you know people look at God and they say you're not fair to give everybody a choice you're not fair to choose everybody well everybody congratulated me (laughs) you know (laughs) no one looked at me and said oh man it's really so sad for all the rest of these women in the world that you didn't choose them why why (laughs) because it was, it was my choice and I chose to bestow my love and favor on whom I chose and we see that as a good thing right why I mean it's a choice it's a choice right it's a choice to bestow favor and for some reason we look at the positive of that <laughs> and when God chose out his bride why would you feel sorry for the people he didn't choose before the foundation of the world, right? Why, why would you feel sorry for the non-elected? Didn't you? All of us are wretched. <laughs> all of us are totally depraved. Uh, God would be righteous if he didn't choose anyone. I mean, I don't think you'll really get <laughs> the uh, sovereign grace until you can sing joyfully with all your heart. And, uh, and if my soul were Christ. sent to hell by a righteous law, approves right. it well. Now, when you can sing that with gusto, <laughs> when you can sing that with all your heart, you really believe the gospel, right? Because then you understand the gravity,
1: the gravity
0: of what we've been given in Jesus Christ. Because yeah. he shouldn't have chosen anybody. He shouldn't have said, and he certainly should not have sent the his only begotten son to die for those wretched corpses you see? That gives you value. Yeah, you, if you need a self-esteem boost, look back from the the foundation, and look at the engagement ring of the Son of God. That's what he did, figuratively, if you'll give me, grab me a little bit of liberty. That's what he did before the foundation. Now, he didn't... It's not like our, our version of a proposal. Um, the bride didn't choose to accept his proposal. Right? <laughs> that's the way we do it in America today. We that's not how that happened, all right? But he made a promise. He made a promise to his bride before the foundation of the world that said, I'm going to give my life for you. And I'll tell you, there ain't any husband that's going to be content after he marries his wife for her to stay apart with apart from him for forever. So along with that promise, along with that engagement ring, what did he do? He predestinated, right? He said, my bride... She's coming home with me (laughs) after all this is over. My bride, she's coming home with me.
1: And that's election
0: and predestination. And people make that complicated. They make it difficult. And for the life of me, I can't see how any of that is negative. Amen? I can't see how any of that is negative. Because the people who aren't chosen don't care. They're dead. They don't care. And it gives such value and blessing if you do love God and you do do feel the Holy Spirit, to know that God chose me, right? Mm -hmm. That God chose me before the foundation of the world. Let's go to a couple verses that, again, highlight some of this language. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter two and verse thirteen, but we are bound to give thanks always. You know, um, well, that's one of the reasons. You know, rejoice in the Lord, always, and again, I say, rejoice. Uh, well, we need to be joyful. We need to be happy. But what, what reason, regardless of what circumstances are going on in your life? You know, life is mixtures of joy and sorrow. It's a roller coaster. It's highs and it's lows. And if you're in the low moment, and you're in a little bit of a mixture of more sorrow than joy in the moment. Um, if you're in one of those valleys, it can be difficult to read verses like this and say, "Well, you know, in everything give thanks. Yes, sir. Not for everything, but in everything give thanks. One of the reasons that you can do that is regardless of what I'm going through right now, God chose me before the foundation of the world. Right? Mm-hmm. God chose me before the foundation. And He promised. Well, it, it may get rough right now, right? It may get tough in the moment, but He promised me that when all this is over, I'm going to be with him in heaven. And if you... That's why hope is an anchor of the soul, by the way. Right? You know, because sometimes, you know, the storm passes by, right? Sometimes that storm's rocking. And sometimes it gets heavy. But then eventually, if that anchor's stable, it's going to get to the end of that anchor. It's going to catch. It's going to pull you back. Right? It's going to pull you back. And that hope is an anchor of the soul. It gives you stability. It gives you stability, and there's nothing that we need to be reminded of more in the midst of those challenging circumstances than God chose me, right? God elected me, and He also elected me, and He predestinated, He predetermined my final destination that I would be with Him in heaven for all of eternity when all of this is over. Doesn't that give you stability in the midst of the challenges of this life? Again, that's why Scripture calls that an anchor, an anchor of the soul. It gives you stability. So for that reason, we are bound to give thanks always to God for you individually, like he says here, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation, chosen you. You know, um, I'd love to... Have this discussion with some of the ministers that are here. Y'all come back tomorrow. Um, I I really just wonder, personally, you know, what name are written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Um, is it David Matthew Wise? I kind of tend to think maybe not. <laughs> um, that, that's the name that I have. Make some references to you know a new name, and I don't know. I don't know about all that. But isn't it something to think about the fact that? God wrote your name individually in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? You know, in that moment, not that there's really even moments in eternity, but, you know, we can't fathom all that. But, but in that moment where he was writing that Lamb's Book of Life, if you'll kind of just bear with me before the foundation of the world, there was a moment where he got to line... Seven billion, right? And he got he got down to my, you know, my name, you know, and he and he wrote that name. And to think about the fact that God wrote individually my name in the Book of Life before the foundation of the world, I can't think of anything that is a better encouragement for depression, for low self esteem, for not feeling like that, that anyone cares about you. To think about the fact that God was individually thinking about me and He wrote my name in heaven before the foundation of the world actually with that in mind let's go to uh, let's go to Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10 in all honesty this is the verse that really kind of got me down this road um, Luke chapter 10 and he sends out 70 um, men to cast out devils and preach the gospel and all this and this appears to be 70 in addition to the twelve apostles and then they came back and you know, Jesus said, you go out and cast out devils, and obviously, the Lord was with them in that moment, and they came back, and they were excited. They were excited. They said, uh, he said, and he came back, and they returned with joy. They they, they were excited about what was going on. You know, I can only imagine, just in a natural sense, how excited I, must, I would be, you know. They came back with joy and said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, we get excited when we see something that we haven't seen before, and, uh. Uh, I can just only imagine, just in a natural sense, you know. <laughs> you know how and the apostles were the same way; um, they were all tr- always trying to one up one another. You know, which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom? You know, and all this. And you know, did you see the devils that he cast out over here? And then uh, he was doing this over here. You know, and then they are just come back and they're swapping stories about. Did you see what? I- and, and I mean, they were excited, right? <laughs> because that's something they never seen before. That's something they never seen before, and that was a special manifestation of the Holy Spirit here in this time, and it was something to see, no doubt, I bet, um, especially with some of the uh, instances where Jesus was casting out devils and, you know, the interactions with that, and just, it, it must have been something to be a spectator in the middle of all that. So they were really excited about that, right? <laughs> they are really excited about, man, we're casting out devils left and right, you know, um, and then doing some other stuff, too. But then Jesus said, in response to that, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. And behold, uh, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice. In other words, don't get too excited, too worked up about all of these casting out devils and this miraculous manifestation of the Holy Spirit that we're seeing in this moment. Don't focus on that solely. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the Spirit are submit unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Mm -hmm. Your names are written in heaven. And you want to know why there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God? (laughs) Nothing in life, nothing in death, you know, principalities, powers... You know, nor things present, nor things to come. All that in Romans chapter 8. You want to know why there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God? Is because God made a covenant before the foundation of the world. He wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. And he sealed that book before the foundation of the world. And is there anything in this world that can change any of those things that I just mentioned? Nope. Nothing. 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 And it's great to see, it's great to see a powerful moving of the Holy Ghost among God's people. And um, I, mean, I just get happy going to, you know, church meetings. You know, we haven't even really seen, honestly, I know personally I haven't, I haven't seen a moving of the Holy Ghost like we see in the Acts of the Apostles or like we've seen here with, with uh, um, these 70 that were returning. I mean, I haven't seen it even to that degree. But it still gets me really happy when I come to a church meeting, right? And feel the Holy Spirit God. But what is one of the things we should have the greatest joy of? The greatest joy. Because regardless of what happens here in this world, your names are written in heaven. If you're a child of God, you love the Lord. And by the way, you wouldn't have those thoughts if you love the Lord. You wouldn't have those thoughts unless you are born again. Okay? that. Excuse me. That's an evidence that you are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, people that are in that middle ground, so many people try to scare them that they're going to hell, you know? No, the purpose of the gospel is to reassure you that God did choose you. If this this message resonates with you, then the gospel is speaking to you. The gospel is delivered in the Spirit. If it's speaking to you, that means you have the Spirit, right? And that is an evidence that God chose you before the foundation of the world and evidence that God wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world and there's nothing in this life that can change that and that gives such stability right? That gives st- such stability during the challenging circumstances of this life You know, um, maybe we've maybe we've got over uh, some of the angst over the uh, 2020 presidential election and all that, you know. But uh, people say, "Are you are you worried about the election?" You know. Don't don't waste an opportunity like that (laughs) to tell them about the real election, right? I mean, you're all you're all getting nervous about about you know everything that was happening surrounding that. You know what? I'm not concerned about ultimately what you know. Computers got hacked and all this other stuff. Whatever, whatever. I'm not concerned about what names are written in all of these these ledger books. What I'm concerned about is that my name is written in heaven by the grace of God. That gives you stability, doesn't it? It gives you hope, and it's a great. And I don't say that pridefully. You know, when I say the blessing of being chosen, I sure don't say it pridefully, because only by the grace of God, I hope I have the correct disposition to know that I'm wretched sinner I'm but if God's if I had nothing but my own works to claim when I stood before the Lord my judgment would be is the exact same as all those that are cast in the lake of fire because I'm a wretched sinner and just in case you haven't heard the gospel yet you are too (laughs) but by God's grace he chose out of people he loved people he wrote Uh, their name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And it is a great blessing to be chosen. Right? It's a great blessing. And it's a great blessing to have the privilege of Him drawing us unto Him in the new birth and the privilege of serving Him here in the kingdom as well. May God richly bless you. It's my prayer. Amen. Amen.